0: Offer subject to change, valid for qualified residential customers only, service not available in all areas, restrictions apply.
1: Episode 371, Managing Money with a Partner with Julia Lilly. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money. embrace
2: simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill.
1: Mm, 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 mm. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are talking about having conversations and managing money with a partner, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Uh, We are going to be talking any relationship where you are managing money together. You're going to want to stick around for this one.
3: Oh, she's a good one. She's a real good one.
1: That's and Jill learned some stuff from this episode, from this interview. She, so, I,
3: I yeah,
1: I she's come still from the mental health
3: it. space, and yet
1: I have a <laughs> lot of room for improvement. <laughs> so, but first, this episode is brought to you by every couple's favorite bedtime pastime. Scrolling on your phone in bed. If you can't wait to put your kids to bed and crawl into bed with that special someone to scroll on your phones together, then this one's for you. One day you're going to need to freshen things up with new phones. So start saving now. Start a tasteful new phone syncing fund in your high yield savings account. We love CIT Bank because there's no minimum balance requirement or monthly fees. Those things are a real mood killer. So if the sparks in your bed are coming from your phone, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash CIT to start your new phone sinking fund.
3: (laughs) I couldn't couldn't make it through. You couldn't hardly make it through. (laughs) I I thought I was reading this as you were writing it, but I wasn't. You... (laughs) You made a masterpiece right here. I told you it was a masterpiece. And I knew recording. it was. And then and then I knew further exactly why it was. You did the most.
1: You, Thank you. you did well, I most. love yes. high-yield savings accounts. All the innuendos
3: throughout from here. From
1: frugalfriendspodcast.com slash CIT. And phones are expensive. And who who doesn't love a little bedtime scroll? That that high-yield savings account is the most hot, salacious thing on the market. Doing the most also. It's doing the most. Uh, and if you are looking for other things to talk to your partner about besides your phones, um, episode 311, Keeping Financial Secrets from Your Spouse uh, with Caroline Bensel. This was a little fill-in with... T- <laughs> I was basically like three of my best friends in a room talking without me. That's what this episode is. Yeah. Well, so love that so babies. And every
3: time yeah. Jen has a baby, then we bring in other people to talk with me yeah. and fill in for Jen. And that was one bring of in was my friends. So, yeah, that my was a friends. good one.
1: Yeah. So uh, and then episode 231, being frugal with a non-frugal partner. That is also a really good one to queue up if you like this one. Mm. So, but today we're talking not just if your partner may be reluctant to be frugal or may be reluctant to get on board with paying off debt, but but including that stuff, but also just like how to manage money well together long term. So, like when you do get on the same page, where do we go from there? How do we create healthy plans, healthy conversations, healthy habits? For managing our money together. And we wanted to call in a certified financial planner for this one. And we wanted, because we wanted somebody who talks to a lot of couples, right? So Jill and I have been married for a long time to other other people, people. not (laughs) each other. Right. (laughs) And we wanted, but we don't talk to enough married people about their money to really have a good, like, a full picture on all of the possibilities. And so, we uh, found Julia Lilly. She's a certified financial planner and accredited behavioral finance professional. So she's not just uh, somebody who helps couples create plans for their money, but she makes sure those plans are based on your behaviors and your values. Uh, She's the founder of Ryerson Financial. And she, uh, Ryerson Financial is an advice only financial planning firm. It's all virtual. uh, So you basically, she doesn't handle any of your investments. She just gives you advice on how to do it yourself, meaning she's affordable. And uh, she works specifically with people who find values-based spending to be more important than just getting to the goal as fast as possible. And it's all online, so you can literally be anywhere. So if you really like what Julia has to say, then you can reach out to her. But we loved this conversation with her. She has so much wisdom uh, after speaking with so many couples uh, about managing money and making financial plans. And uh, and we're so excited to share her with you. Mm, let's hear from Julia. Julia, welcome to the Frugal Friends podcast. We are so excited to have you here.
2: Jen, Jill, thank you so much for including me. I'm excited for the conversation.
3: Yay. This is a topic that... We haven't delved into entirely. I don't think we've dedicated a specific podcast episode to this and much less with an expert like yourself on this kind of topic where we're talking both behavioral finance with a certified financial planner. So this is just exciting for us all around. And as we get started, I am curious to hear from your experience in working with people, what some of the most common money concerns or disagreements that you've run into that, that couples
2: can have when they are seeking out your advice? So it's a great question and it runs the gamut. You know, I I talk about financial planning and there are certain kind of models and paradigms that you can fit into, but everybody's unique on the things that they struggle with. I think some of the biggest ones I've seen is Differences in opinion on like your sleep at well sleep at night fund. What allows me to rest well at night? Is it $100 in the bank or is it a 12-month emergency reserve fund in cash? And so helping clients work through kind of understanding the lens with which each of them are approaching their plan, I think is really important. Other topics such as kind of spending versus savings some people approach spending as a chore whereas the other partner might really get the thrill of the spending and so aligning those behaviors and just allowing to have a conversation about what what makes for a healthy financial life so again it runs the gamut there's quite a few different topics but i'd say the big ones is kind of cash flow management and then goal planning and looking towards the future and making sure that both parties are aligned on where you're headed I love that
3: term, the sleep at night fund. I don't think I've ever heard it phrased that way, but I can get it for me and my husband. We've been married coming up on 12 years now, and I think something I've realized for us and then in talking with other people is it's not so much that neither one of us has that value. It's just that that value differs from each other. Like we we've got kind of these ideas in our head, but they might look a little bit different. We might implement, execute differently. And I love the way that you're highlighting that and kind of giving words to it and, and how we can kind of phrase this to one another and even I, ide- because I feel like a lot of people, well I, you tell me are are people knowing that, are they able to come to you and say, we've got different ideas of what art needs to be in our sleep at at night fund? Or is that like, you help them to see where the rub is?
2: Yeah, it kind of more comes out in conversation. And I think, Jill, you just highlighted, I assume, I kind of know in my own head, and you kind of think your partner who's been on this journey with you is on the same page. But Until you really proactively have that conversation, you aren't necessarily on the same page and can have very different opinions of what the right kind of savings number is or what the right dollar amount is to spend on an item. I worked with another client, this couple who needed to remodel their living room space. They had a newborn and they needed a baby proof better. And it was interesting just even having the conversation of, okay, we need to buy a bookshelf. How much did we send spend on the bookshelf? And almost at the same time, one's saying five thousand dollars and the other one's like, IKEA, three hundred, you know, and it's like, okay, clearly there's a different vision, but getting aligned is important. So I think the key there is being more proactive in the conversation. I think a lot of us can get stuck in our own heads and assume that the other person kind of understands where we're coming from. But that's certainly not the case. And that's not exclusive to finances. That's in a lot of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. I think it comes out and that's where a lot of friction can happen around money because it's such a big part of our everyday lives.
1: Yeah. So when two people come to you and they learn like, oh, you think you need $100 to be safe and I think I need 10000 What's kind of like the first thing that you recommend for them to start getting on the same page? Like where do they move forward first from that realization?
2: So I think it's digging in a little bit. So every engagement for me, um, I start with a financial perspectives assessment. So prior to that first meeting together, each client takes this assessment and it looks at eight different attributes about their financial lens. And so it's not so myopic only on that 100 versus 10,000, but it goes a little bit more into like, what was it growing up around spending versus savings? You know, like all of that stuff informs why $10,000 feels better than $100, you know, someone who grew up maybe in more of a scarcity mindset household feels more comfortable and okay in that $100 space because they're used to just kind of operating at the margin versus someone who grew up in a household where it was much more planful and we're only going to spend it when we have it. They're going to be more comfortable with the $10,000 because then they have that flexibility. Okay, I need to buy this item. I have the money in the bank. And so it's bringing those kind of different perspectives together so that they can get a better understanding of why your number is what it is. And so then from there, you step into, okay, what would make you feel better? Would it be setting aside money every month on a kind of systematic basis? Would that help mitigate you are at least moving towards that dollar amount? And People say yes. Or in other cases, when their emergency fund is almost too cushy, you talk about what could we get down to and what would make you feel comfortable while we're kind of being a little more efficient in our plan to make sure your money's working for you in the best way possible. It
3: sounds like through that process, you're gonna not just learn about your partner, but yourself too. I imagine yeah, that there's a lot of people who kind of- take that assessment and realize, oh, okay, I didn't actually know <laughs> these pieces about me, much less my partner and where they're coming
2: from. Well, and I like it because I laugh with clients. It's kind of like a Myers-Briggs assessment. You could Mm -hmm. take it on Monday and get a very different score than what you got on Thursday. But it lets us have a better conversation around how do you feel about spending? We're able to look at this quantitative score that says you're a 99 on spending. That, to me, indicates you really enjoy it. And so we can then peel the onion a little bit better versus just saying, yeah, Amazon's great and it's easy, you know, and it's, it's, it, it allows for more robust conversation.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when couples want to have these conversations at home, like after kind of starting to find out these things about each other, how can they like initiate them or or kind of bring them up gingerly uh, or graciously like in their relationship?
2: That's a good question. And it's a big one. I like to challenge clients to work together on kind of goal planning and frame it as short term, medium term and long term goals, because that helps guide the conversation where it doesn't get stuck necessarily. But instead, I kind of highlight that it's a North Star that helps individuals understand the trade offs of I really want to do this, but I thought our goals were here and really getting aligned on what those goals are because I've worked with clients where their goals are very different. They love one another and they've got a strong foundation, but they have different visions of kind of that question of what does success look like for me? Mm -hmm. And so allowing people the space to kind of put that within a framework. And then I think the biggest thing on coaching clients on how to have those conversations independently would be to make sure that you kind of recognize the value of what the other person's bringing and why they maybe are having that particular sentiment around their finances. So really listening and hearing the why behind someone's particular lens.
3: It sounds like it's pulling it a little bit away from finances first. Not that it's not going to be a part of the conversation, but first beginning with something that maybe feels a little bit more neutral or approachable to talk about of just goals. Like we all have goals and we can see where each other's at on that and then how it intersects with finances from there am I am i understanding the, the method yeah no I like? think
2: that's a hundred percent I think it's goals plus values because those values help inform kind of where you want to allocate your resources I highly with I highlight with clients that it's resources is not just money resources is also your time and so it's about both of those kind of coming together and making sure that they're headed in the direction that aligns with what you all believe as you know, kind of your, your client your your partnership, your marriage, your dating, whatever the relationship looks like, but making sure that you're kind of understanding where each of you are coming from. Mm, I love all those
3: words, values (laughs) and goals and alignment and all the other words that kind of coincide with that that you're not saying too. There's the kind of the, the freedom and flexibility for this not to look exactly one way. And and it sounds like you've got extensive experience with couples who, who might just have different goals, not to mention different ideas around money. Are, do you find that When they're having these conversations in some of these, you know, pulling it out to the broader picture that they're able to find some common ground, is that not as important or kind of like, what What is the goal in then talking this out? Because I, I could imagine there's some people who know, like, I know that my spouse's goal is different from mine. I know that their values differ from me. What, what is the goal then in talking with them and bringing them together? Where do you see couples can find themselves once they're able to talk about it?
2: I do. I think it helps people kind of put a name to it. You know, once you move away from being frustrated or annoyed that you spend so much more on Amazon than you should, it's moving into like, well, one of the reasons why I do that is because I'm taking care of the family. And really, I I talk about kind of spend plan management. I'm less interested in a budget and more about spend plan management. Are we spending dollars aligned to where we put our values and our goals? And so... Shining a flashlight on that so that there's more communication and transparency, I do think really helps people move more into the together versus just being so kind of diametrically opposed of like, I'm mad about their lens regarding finances versus recognizing the value that they do bring mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and more of the why behind it. Yeah.
3: To loop back to Jen's question and maybe like expand on it just slightly and briefly, for someone just starting out who might be listening to this and thinking, oh yeah, this is where I need to begin with my partner. Do you have any kind of couple of questions or even just one question that they could start with maybe even before they get to a point of talking with someone like yourself, kind of what can they go home and ask one another that might start and ignite these next few steps? One of
2: the, I think baseline questions to start and, and initiate just an open dialogue is what does success look like mm-hmm. and listening to the answer and, and not just success. I laughed with one client about retirement being this kind of like unicorn land way out in the future, but more, you know, kind of this mythical creation where who knows what it will look like but what can you do along the way to celebrate success? And so giving people a little bit more of that white page to say, what does success look like? And, and what does that feel like to you? Because then it allows you to kind of, without the constraint or restraint of budgeting and the everyday mundane elements of finances, really move more into a bit of that dream. And then you get down into the nitty gritty, but starting more at the 10,000 foot level, I think allows for better conversation.
3: That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it really encourages partnership rather than this kind of clashing that can happen when there are differences of opinion or values, but rather what are you envisioning? How can I get on board with what you're envisioning and where can there be collaboration amongst us? I think that's such a beautiful foundation to start with. And that question really lays, lays that
2: well. Well, and Jill, to go back to what you mentioned already, you kind of learn more about yourself in the process because that exercise also forces you to try and articulate what does success look like? And, and being able to explain that and have the conversation, I think, is kind of the, the core building blocks for everything else.
1: When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet.
3: Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table.
1: You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions.
3: Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply
0: Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.
1: What are some topics or conversations about money that you find couples often overlook?
2: So I was thinking about this. Of you know, There's a ton on kind of who manages which role. There's that, this is a tangent, but have you guys ever heard this fair play exercise around yeah. couples now where it's more about how do you recognize the value that each of you are bringing and what you're doing? So it's taking for granted, maybe one partner plays more of the role of like bill pay and managing everything that happens versus the other ones thinking more high level. Why aren't we saving more? Well, we have all these leaks over here. And so like getting that alignment, another big topic is estate planning, you know, really kind of more of that long-term view of, I don't want to talk about legacy and passing away and what happens to our assets but that stuff's important. And one of the things that you kind of want to have checked off um, sooner rather than later so that when, and if you do need it, because eventually it is a when it's not really, if everything is executed according to your wishes Um, in that same vein, I'm not a huge fan, but life insurance is an important piece of kind of someone's financial plan. And I think that's an important conversation to have with partners. I see a lot of times in marriages, maybe there's one partner takes a break and they stay at home to take care of the children. And there's this assumption, well, they don't have a salary. They don't need life insurance because they're not adding money into this family business. I disagree. Think about the childcare that would be required if that partner wasn't able to contribute, it'd be huge for the partner that is actually still in the workforce. So again, I think life insurance and estate planning, those kind of topics that none of us really want to talk about all that often, and they're kind of poke your eye out <laughs> going through the exercise of setting them up. Those are important.
1: Yeah. What about um, the parents of, like, how each partner's parents, like, impact their finances? Because that's something that uh, my husband and I have been talking about. Um, Like, his parents have prepared and my mom has not. Like, do you find that that is something that you see with couples? They have to think about
2: that? Definitely. A hundred percent. Because you're not only worried about the legacy you're leaving your children, but also even moving in the caretaker role. What does this look like? And will we have space in our home if they're going to move here? What money should I maybe partition aside in the event that I need to support parents? So yes, those conversations are extremely important as well. And that does also kind of fold into your whole lens around money and what you're comfortable managing based on how you've watched and what's been modeled for you from your own parents. Mm.
3: Once we do have these important, deeper conversations that really does involve mindset and emotion and relationship, and we're coming to a better understanding of ourselves, of our partner, we're valuing each other, we know our values, and then we get to the action point. I know that there's a lot of people out there talking about different strategies of Actual tangible money management as a couple, like who's paying the bills, who's got their sites on it, how many accounts are joined, if any, or maybe all. What this is, this is a big question. So, like, tackle it (laughs) however you see fit. Um, And maybe I'll have some follow up questions too. But I'm curious for for the couple who's kind of had this conversation and is now curious about what should we be doing as far as these different types of strategies? What's going to be the approach? Or or even we're at the process where we need to build trust and create transparency with money. What are you recommending to couples in the actual tangible management of accounts and banks and paying bills?
2: I mean, it's, it is. It's a big question. And I think historically, it's been very segregated. And if you want to like pure gender lines, and this is going more of the gender role, it's usually the woman who does more of the bill pay. And this is, again, just in the tr- like typical male, female environment. They take on more of the bill pay role, like operating the household. And then the man takes on more of the investment strategy. I think that all needs to shift where there's more communication on both sides. Um, And so that would be my biggest thing on combining finances is making sure there's open communication. Now, practically and tactically, it's a lot easier when one person is able to play the point for these different things and then create those open lines of communication so each partner's aware of what's going on. I think that's very important. But when it comes to just kind of normal managing of day-to-day life, Typically one individual steps up to control certain elements like the bill pay versus investment management. You can't everybody can't be in there placing trades and, and actively doing investments, but making sure that there's an open line of communication, I think, is the key. And uh, recognizing and understanding different people's interests. I, I do work with clients where when you fall more on that kind of typical line of female operating in more of the bill pay and the male and the investment. That's fine as long as there's communication because that's where their interests are. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's wonderful, great, have at it. But making sure that both parties understand where all the accounts are and like you mentioned, Jill, building that trust and transparency, that's paramount to a strong financial foundation for any relationship.
3: Are there any specific strategies that you see work well in general, as far as should we combine all of our accounts? Should it just be a percentage? How should we handle discretionary spending and allotment, especially where you have couples where, yeah, maybe one is primarily caretaking kids or different levels of income between spouses? What what do you recommend in those circumstances?
2: Again, I think everybody's different, but And and, then everybody's kind of paradigm will look different where some people do really, really well having one central account and then separate accounts that they kind of get allowances out of. And then you do your spending that's more just discretionary, no questions asked, happening over there. Some people have that happening on credit cards versus in separate actual accounts. I am a fan of the Keep It Simple because getting too over-engineered with a number of different accounts to manage, just the administrative burden of that can be tricky. However, for some clients, it completely works where they keep everything separate and they've got eight accounts and they're just kind of managing all of that shuffle. Again, the key being just open and honest communication and making sure that it doesn't feel as though there's things happening in those other accounts that you're not aware of. And it creates any kind of that like icky friction that you question or it kind of chips away at any of that trust in the relationship. So I do think it is unique, especially as people get married later and are combining legally their finances later on, that process could take a lot longer. You know, if you get married at 35, that's very different than 25. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got your financial habits a lot of times in place. And in that situation, I would recommend slow stepping into combining everything because it could create more issues rather than fewer. However, when you're younger and there's less complexity, it could be just that much easier to pool everything and make life work a little bit better. So I I don't think there's a one size fits all, but I do think that the one fundamental piece is open communication. Mm.
1: Yeah. I love that there's so much more software and budgeting apps available now for people who may wanna couples who may want to keep their finances separate, but still want to be able to see what the other person's doing to create that that transparency and trust. Like I think it's like a, a great time if you are like like you said, getting married later and maybe don't have the energy to combine
0: everything.
1: Like there's still options, um, for creating that transparency, which is great.
2: Um, I have have one, one caveat on the transparency is super important, but you also want to maintain some channel of being able to have autonomy on, I'm going to spend this and I don't want anyone to question it. I don't want too much of your double guessing. You know, there's, it's this delicate balance of like, what's Mm -hmm. your number that you're comfortable as a couple Hey, if it's under a hundred dollars, it's a no question ask. It could be if it's under twenty five, depending on where you are financially. But making sure that you don't take away too much of that sense of financial freedom—that I'm not so kind of burdened or going to be watched, and my every move is being criticized. So it's it's a balance.
1: Yeah, definitely. Financial autonomy is something that's super important to me. I I don't want to have to ask permission on anything and that's like just something like personal for me and thankfully travis is totally okay with that he trusts me in that um but like i i hate the idea of having to ask for permission that would be like so stifling if i had a partner that like required that like babysitting of me
2: um but yeah it is something like and i think it's jen one of those things that you grow into you know, when mm-hmm. you're first maybe starting out and you're learning each other's spending habits and patterns, it requires more conversations and just getting that level of comfort and trust. That okay, we're both aligned. Your spending's not going to be crazy um, because there's too many stories of financial issues being a real downfall in a relationship. The foundation of love is there, but they can't figure it out. On a kind mm-hmm. of financial infidelity is very real. Yeah.
1: My my last question is like when should somebody seek professional help like from you like so not not from like a a marriage therapist like a marriage and family therapist but like from a financial advisor like is it communication breakdown is it certain like point in finances like when cuz a lot of people want to do it themselves but there comes a point where it's more beneficial to seek like third party help? Like wh- what is that point?
2: It's a great question and a confusing one because like <laughs> the answer because um, I'm in the space and I think it's confusing. So I'm a financial advisor. I love this space, but I don't only focus on the behavioral elements. I build the whole plan. We're going into all the technical elements. There is a whole nother burgeoning space called financial therapy. And their goal is only really to moderate the conversations and work through kind of where you're stuck and have someone there to guide the conversation. So it depends on what your needs are. If it's an issue of financial infidelity or overspending and really not being able to get on the same page, that could be more in the financial therapy realm, vice working with an advisor who really my value is not only on the behavioral and getting couples aligned and getting our goals defined, but also on working through all the technical elements of a truly robust financial plan. So that's where I say it's confusing because it depends on what you're looking to solve. And I think that's really what it comes down to is figuring out what you're looking to solve. Mm -hmm.
1: And if somebody is looking more for... The whole all encompassing plan, but just kind of like navigating how do we come together on a plan? That would be like the financial planner,
2: correct? Correct. Yep. And how do do we kind of bring our whole financial life together? Because I laugh, I talk to a lot of financial therapists, so they're like, to be clear, Julia, one plus one equals five. Like, (laughs) I'm not interested in balancing the checkbook, but I want to help people get more aligned on their outlook regarding
3: finances. Mm. I'm hearing the importance of communication, understanding self, and partner simplification, transparency. Are there any other final pieces? There doesn't have to be because that's enough, but any other final pieces that you, from your perspective, your expertise, people often miss that would be helpful for those curious about managing money better with a partner that might be overlooked or any final tips that you want to share?
2: I mean, you laid out a number of kind of those key words, but I think to add to it would be proactive communication, trying to make sure you stay ahead of, of having the conversation. And then the other piece is to put a little element of fun into it where, you know, like you got to go through the spend plan. Let's couple it with a really fun coffee date or like going out to dinner, some other fun activity, so that it doesn't have to too, feel too much like drudgery and kind of uh, an exercise of we have to do this. Like I mentioned before, this estate planning, poke your eyes at out, really trying to look at it on how can we make it more fun as part of the journey versus just another chore on our to-do list.
1: Mm. Yeah, we mm. had a couple, we had a, a girl uh, email us because we do in our newsletter, the last Friday of every month, a budget toolkit for the next month. And she said that now her and her husband, every time they get the budget toolkit, they'll do their budget based on it and then go out for ice cream after. And I was there like, you that go. is so fun. What a yeah. what a cool, and it's like on the calendar because the email always goes out the last Friday of the month. so.
2: That's, yeah, It's love cool, that. honestly, Jen, circling back to what we talked about with parents and kind of helping them manage their assets, but what they've passed down to you, that's cool modeling for their children. You know, if there's another generation watching that this is the way you can approach finances is that it, it can be a fun exercise of what we're allowing ourselves to do by being properly planful. I
3: think that links back to, to what you're even trying to create together. It is a partnership. It's not... A business, at the end of the day, where you're only concerned about the numbers on the paper, you're concerned about your long-term relationship with one another and how you're caring for each other. And so, if we're not making it enjoyable and having fun with one another and created light, creating lightheartedness around it and within it, then that's also not going to have much longevity to it. We're not going to be then growing closer together in more collaboration if it deals like drudgery. So I am always here for the tip about making it fun. and, celebratory yeah, and circling the way. it
2: back to that whole of what does success look like? You know, where yes, there's numbers on the page, but those numbers on the p- page translate to us being able to go on an awesome vacation that we've thought about and we've mm-hmm. planned and enjoyed that journey. So it's more, how do we reap the benefits of the work that we're putting in?
3: Do you know what allows us to reap the benefits of the work we've put in over the last five and a half years? It's not drudgery. It's always fun.
1: It's my definition of success.
3: The Bill of the Week!
0: That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Julia, every week we invite our listeners and our guests to give us their Bill of the Week. And we know you have one prepared for us, so we'd love to hear it.
2: So my bill, I should have come up with a guy named Bill, but I don't know that guy named Bill. But my bill is my husband, Pete, had shoulder surgery recently. And they had him prepay for this ridiculous surgery, which in a high deductible insurance plan, it was high. Then he finished the surgery and we got a huge bill in the mail. And it was like, wait a minute, we've already paid it. So I had to coach him on, "No, no, no, don't pay it. Just wait with these annoying medical bills. Wait until you get the second or third one when they reconcile everything, and it turns out it actually was a zero by the end because they just hadn't caught up. But it caused mm-hmm. a lot of stress and angst. My husband's very much of a check things off my list. I need to pay it, but that bill I was able to remind him to just park and not pay <laughs> and wait, um, which is not his normal tendency. So it was it was a good reminder for him on not getting to the to do list too quickly but also that reminder of how messed up our medical system is.
3: Whew. It was an AM. We're, we're getting those reminders just regularly, yeah.
1: regular reminders. Ooh, that's crazy. Yeah. Mm. I had a that's baby a this good year. good one. Last year, and I've, the medical bills. Gosh, I've spent so much time on the phone.
2: I'm curious, Jen. I had a client who was explaining to me her payment plan for having the baby, and she was making significant payments before having the baby for the delivery in the future. I had never heard of this before. Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I had to, I technically my prepaid, I was supposed to pay $4,000, but because of the healthcare sharing plan I have, I was covered up to, Um, only had to pay like 1,700. So I stopped paying it but when i was on insurance with my first son i did have to pay that
2: 4000 before i gave birth wow yeah i struggle because they don't even know what's going to happen i mean i i the whole the system again it's broken they just want yeah. their money who doesn't who doesn't do. want their money they're, they're getting want greedy our money.
3: with it. We all want our
2: money. But, uh, I'm from Missouri original and I'm uh, originally and I'm from the show me state. So I'd rather them show me the work and then I'll uh-huh. pay for it rather than prepay having my that. baby. That just seems Yeah. Crazy. Show me the work. Yeah. Show, me, that. show wow. me the baby. That's a good bill.
3: A bill you already paid. So then the next bills you don't have to pay. I I appreciate that. That's a good reminder to all of us to double check everybody's work because well, we don't actually, need to be given more. On medical
2: bills, they really recommend wait until the second one comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then negotiate.
1: Figured that out.
3: <laughs> yep, negotiate. figured that out too. Yeah. Well, if you all listening have a bill about bills paid, bills you don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. Your name is Bill. You you know the drill. com slash Bill. Leave it
1: for us. We, we can't wait to commiserate or celebrate. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet.
3: Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply.
0: Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.
1: And now it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round. And now it's the vulnerability segment of the show, uh, where we are going to share, all of us, what is a money topic that you find personally challenging or uncomfortable to discuss with your partner? And maybe you've gotten over it. Maybe it's still uncomfortable. Um, But, Julia, we will let you go
2: first. So, you guys highlighted you've been married for a long time. I'm about to be married 17 years later on this month. And we just recently had a major money kind of hiccup where it goes to what we discussed a little earlier around what's that threshold? of a dollar amount that we should vet with one another before we just go ahead and make the purchase. And it's interesting because like I said, we've been married 17 years, combined finances for a long time. And it caused a lot of angst between the two of us where I was more curious about the vendor and he thought I was pressing more on the dollar amount. It was just curious. And so it led to this whole conversation of his dollar amount that he feels I should just be able to spend and not say anything and mine were a little different and it was less jen to say you can't do it and more just hey i tried framing it a little more it was part of the estate planning conversation because even though it was a toy for him now it's part of our home and it's my estate so he didn't (laughs) buy that he was like, uh, <laughs> uh, no. Good try. So anyhow, good try. It, was, uh, it caused a lot of conversation in a way that we don't necessarily always dig into, but it, it was healthy. And um, actually it brought in modeling for our kids and they're like, what are you talking about so heatedly? But um, we landed at a good spot where we were able to recognize kind of where the, the two of us were coming from and that there is that foundation of trust, that it was less a question of, trust and whether I trust it or not and more just uh, let's be transparent it's no big deal Mm -hmm. so that was Mm -hmm. my recent money hurdle of even after almost 17 years trying to make sure that the open proactive communication is happening yes yeah because life ebbs and
3: flows and yeah we can still come back to some of the same sticking points that we've had throughout a lifetime because we bring a whole lot of ourselves to it or these things kind of shape-shift, and now there's a new way we have to talk about it. Julie, how about you? So (laughs) my background is in mental health. There is nothing off-limits to talk about in our household. So for me personally, there's no conversation that makes me uncomfortable. However... I I can't speak for Eric. He probably is so uncomfortable by all the things that I want to discuss. (laughs) But I would say that there are typical rubs for us on kind of where we are spending or not spending. And that includes going out to eat. Eric really values going out to eat. I love it too, don't get me wrong, but I'm definitely more of the saver of the two of us and I think would would be very open to just eating whatever's in the fridge day after day after day, (laughs) just to stack money up for no real reason. And he is a little different from me in that. And we've found compromises, but depending on where we're at month to month, I can feel the rub of that a little bit more because I am the one primarily in the nitty gritty of the finances. certainly keep him updated, but that's always the rub for us. But actually my takeaway from this, you didn't ask for this, but I'm telling you is what you both said, this term of financial autonomy. This is definitely a gut check for me because I am so detail oriented with our spending plan. I know it down to the penny. I'm looking at it a lot. And, and I very much am the one who is Yaying or naying things. And Eric's not complaining about that, but it is making me realize I think some financial autonomy could really do us well. Like in this next season, I think that there's room for us to be able to say, this is your money, spend however you want it. This is my money, spend however you want it. That's going to be, that's my takeaway. That's the goal I'm going to do, create more comfort here. I made the lightning round question whatever I wanted it to be. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and it's like there's a factor of trust, too. Like, if I'm being babysat, I don't feel like uh, I'm being, like, trusted. For sure. So, yeah.
3: For sure. I trust him implicitly with the parameters that I give him.
1: (laughs) I have seen, actually, I have been witness to a rub in your financial conversation, oh, rah, rah. Um,
3: Should we say with- that for later,
1: like when we're not recording? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. Maybe well, I'm we'll kidding. You can
1: share. Later. You're fine. Um, I I will. I'll talk about my my difficulty before I talk about Eric's. <laughs> um, so mine, I still find it uncomfortable to talk about my spending on coffee and alcohol with Travis because he does not spent he does not drink coffee or alcohol not because he's opposed to them because he doesn't like them and he thinks they are like just wastes of money and he's the saver in our relationship he would eat out of a dumpster every day <laughs> to save money he would dumpster dive frequently not not Would. more as <laughs> right right he would dumpster dive more frequently than he does um, I like to spend <laughs> We my- love our husbands. We found such gems. We do. <laughs> I I love him. And I love his dumpster diving even. Uh so uh but still because I these things that I really highly value is, you know, going out to get coffee with friends, going to happy hour. I value these things. And he like opposite of values them. Um he would never tell me no. But he always get his like judge face on when I mention it. So it's a tough one. Still so uncomfortable Julia, can me. you fix that?
2: <laughs> you I, fix love, that? You, I love that you know the judge face. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, after nine years, I've I, he's got it down pat he has refined his judge face. He's good at it.
2: Does he have a hobby or something where you can almost feel like it's you get to do this, you get to do that? Where then?
1: Yes, Um, he loves disc golf, and so he has um, a mile high stack of discs. And I I don't. But most most of them he finds in the dumpster. (laughs) 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 most of them he does buy used. If you can find coffee
3: and alcohol in
1: the dumpster, it's fair game, Jen. And this is this is our problem, right? Uh so yes, he does have that hobby. Um, but he doesn't get to I mean, neither of us get to do our hobbies very often with like two small children, but yeah. Uh, yeah. He finds that he he believes his hobby is an actual hobby and doesn't believe drinking alcohol is a hobby. <laughs>
2: crazy sommelier (laughs) you could you could pitch it as the education portion
1: (laughs) there it is it's a little something that could turn into a side hustle we're gonna
3: have to do
0: an
1: episode on um (laughs) beer and wine and alcohol types saving money on them so that i can justify my hobby
2: Mm, totally or it becomes like a club where you bring different things you can sample them i don't know you can pitch this into like it is your hobby
1: i'm gonna have to get in contact with um with the deadpool guy so i can we can do aviation gin and i can go be a business partnership <laughs> there's <it laughs> now this you the deadpool
3: guy. <laughs> can't, can't remember his name no
1: idea ryan reynolds <laughs> ryan reynolds I, I remember blake lively's name we all do yeah. Right. 100%. What a gem. Oh my gosh.
3: Speaking uh, of gems. Julia's, yeah. Julia. Jul-
1: yeah. Speaking <laughs> of gems, Julia, thank you so much for talking with us today. It has been fantastic. Your views on values and incorporating those into your financial plan uh, and building it around your behaviors. It was just. We- So great. Uh, So if people want more of that from you, maybe want to seek your services or just find out more of what you have to say, where can people find you?
2: So yeah, my firm is called Ryerson Financial and I'd be happy to chat with anybody. I do advice only financial planning. So i more work with those people who are interested in doing it themselves, but just need a little coaching and guidance along the way. But yeah, it's been awesome chatting with you all and uh, having this conversation. Jen and Jill, it was great. Thank you. Beautiful. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, Jill, you've taken a lot away from that. I'm so excited for. I'm excited for Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Better things for him
3: and Mm -hmm. me, right? It's good. It's good to relinquish control. And you know, it's good to give somebody something that they're not even asking for. Yeah. He's not asking for autonomy. As long as they autonomy. want it. And then look at me, I'm going to give him some. <laughs> um, and isn't wow, that just such good a on good me? Good
1: wife. <laughs> so cool.
3: No, but truly, I did enjoy the alignment. Of So many things. I saw such congruence in what she's describing regarding some of the deeper work that needs to happen to truly see shifts in our finances. And the same goes for when we're managing money with a partner and we're doing this in collaboration with another person. It's not just going to be about actions and behaviors. It's going to be about conversation and understanding and mutuality and negotiation and it, it, in the one hand kind of stinks to be like, ah, dang, I don't have like a checklist of one, two, three, do this. But at the same time, it's good to know that there's, oh, just actual authentic, helpful tips in have conversations, get to know one another, make it fun, work towards transparency and simplification. And I, I think that that's, That's more accurate, although we do love the simple quick tips, but I think this Mm -hmm. one has a more lifelong impact.
1: Yeah, and something I didn't think I was, uh, I didn't ask for, but I got, was the difference between seeing why you would see a financial planner versus a financial therapist. So if your questions and your disagreements, your concerns with your partner are more of the how do we get on the same page with money? That's for a financial therapist and there are amazing people that have designations that that focus on that. While if you are mostly looking for okay, how do we get we know our plans, we're okay with it. How do we get them make, create a plan so that we can create, you know, reach these plans together, that's the financial yeah. planner. Yeah. I think Maybe in the past, I would have thought it's like, oh, we're not on the same page, so let's just seek the you know, financial planner and she'll get us on the same page. Um, but there is a more uh, effective professional in financial therapy, uh, which is thankfully like a, a rapidly growing therapy specialization. Mm, so
3: excited for that.
1: Also- so excited
3: that you guys are here listening to this. Thank you. Thanks for the listen. Thank you also to those of you who have given a review. It helps us a ton and it helps fellow potential listeners to find us, to know what it's about, to know if they want to be in on this community every week. We want to give a shout out to this one review that came from Profanograms. Love that hmm. name titled, Frugal Fun Friends. Jen and Jill are the fun friends that we all wish we had with us every day. I love that it feels like you are hanging out with two best friends who understand the struggle of being a young person, dare I say, millennial, (laughs) who with student loan debt and trying to overcome slash deal with pressures from society. Fridays have become even more special because these two ladies let it drop every week with a dope new podcast. Never disappointed. I highly recommend this podcast. You will fall in love with them just as I have. If you like money, minimalism, and fun people, this is going to be your jam. Upside down face emoji a OK emoji, side winky eye emoji, profanograms. You get us, and oh yeah, you, know what? you definitely
1: have a sinking <laughs> fund called tasteful new phone fund. <laughs> thank you. We, oh, that was a good one. You yes, know, we thank are pre-
3: pretty much with you every day between Instagram, our newsletter, the friend letter for girlfriendspodcast and this podcast, because I don't know if you know this, Profenagrams and others of you, we let a new episode drop Tuesdays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting the newsletter Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then you're getting Jen, at least in January, which is right now, every single day on Instagram talking to you about our no
1: spend challenge. Yes. So, Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to leave a rating and review. It helps potential new listeners know what the show is about. If there was an episode in particular that really impacted you and you really liked, please drop that in the review. It kind of gives people a recommendation on maybe the last few episodes aren't for them, but they can go back and and listen to one that might be better from the archives for them. So uh, thank you so much for your kind reviews. Thank you. See you next time. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani.
3: Okay, Jen. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to know
1: what, what the rub. The rub <laughs> that you witnessed was. Uh it was what I refer to the Sirianni shoe saga of probably 2022. Of 2020, 2021, 2022. Yeah. Um, where <laughs> you were convinced that Eric spent a certain amount of money on shoes, had a certain number of shoes, and Eric was convinced he spent far less and had far fewer shoes. Yes. And you were both like, at home and the shoes could have been counted and were eventually counted, but it was yeah. a rub Yes, and I was present for it. Yes. 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 You
3: remember it far better than I do. There was discomfort in that conversation for sure. That <laughs> There was literal rubs. You're not the only one who witnessed this. We have a, a couple, like a handful of visiting guests who can attest to how that conversation could become uncomfortable even for them like it was definitely a point (laughs) of contention more so for eric than for me i felt like i had a little bit less skin in the game it felt personal for eric which Mm -hmm. i mean it was it was you know fingers pointed at him so um Mm -hmm. what do you remember of it
1: yeah did you feel uncomfortable uh, no, I was enjoying the show. <laughs> I really, but here's the thing: I felt uncomfortable because I knew that it was so possible for us to know how many shoes he had, but there was nobody going into the room to count. I was like, we could know this. You guys are like talking about this, but we could know. We could know it. We could we know could right know now. It.
3: We could know it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I forget what the outcome was. Uh, it was a beautiful outcome. Actually,
3: it was, it was <laughs> truly the best possible outcome for both of us. No one won. No one lost. Because at the end of the day, Eric and I had exactly the same number of shoes. That said I really was convinced that he had more than me so in some ways mm-hmm. I was wrong but he was convinced <laughs> he had ways. you were <laughs> wrong he ha- he was convinced he had way less than me so we mm-hmm. were both wrong we were both right and honestly since we've done the reconciling and the inventory that uh, we've not we've not talked about shoes like the Sirianni shoe saga is over Yeah. And uh, it also helped me as we've frugal friends have come into our robust understanding of values based spending. I have been able to value that he values shoes. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. gonna push if he listens to this, he's gonna be like, No, I don't. You think I love shoes and I don't love shoes. So that part of it really does that.
1: That <laughs> remains you don't talk about it. Lives
3: on. I am talking about it here. He truly does. If he's gonna buy anything,
1: it's gonna be shoes. He loves them, and that's fine. It does I'm he okay love them or does he feel safer with them because he is colorblind? I don't I don't know.
3: That's a whole other layer. Um, I mean, if I, I,
1: I'm not going to give him a hard
3: time for wanting to buy new shoes because, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you value, this is what you love, it brings you so much joy. If and I then I would tell love it for him to have more shoes than
1: me. Like, if yeah, I didn't the have shoes. like a, a solid grasp of color, I would not buy shirts and pants, mm. but I would feel very confident buying shoes.
3: But see, the reason he loves shoes so much is because of all the different designs. He's like, oh yeah, I like this color and this and this shape and this design and this. Oh yeah, designs, but also color schemes. I don't know, Jan, but you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. Good. And he's okay with it. and
1: I would love to know who has more shoes today. Wow. That's a good question. We'll never know. (laughs) We will never know. I will go in and I will count. Honestly, the shoes he might he I might actually
3: cuz I did just get rid of like 3 pairs of shoes that I don't plan to replace.
1: So, so he still has more shoes than you. I
3: think now.
0: Oh yeah, he's always had more shoes. <laughs> There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
1: Hi, checking in for
0: or the perfect table.
2: Hey, where are you?
0: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com with Amex.
3: You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug All needed. right, let's go.